Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you're not familiar with the Inside Scoop, it's a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available to their child if they lived in another city around the world. This week we're traveling to Spain and I'm talking to a academy director uh, in Spain and I found this show to be very entertaining for a couple of reasons. Number one, Spain, as you know, is one of the hubs of youth soccer development in Europe. And in addition to that, this particular academy runs a residential program where they have youth soccer players from the States living in Spain and training. And as a matter of fact, the um, club director promised me that he would set up an interview in the future where I could speak to the parents and those American players and learn more about their experience of being an American and playing football in Spain. So this week, check out the podcast, and we're going to travel to Spain and learn more about the youth soccer pathways available there. And again, this podcast is brought to you by Anytime Soccer Training. Anytime Soccer Training is a website that will host over 1,100% follow-along videos covering all the major areas of individual skill development. So what that looks like uh, is when you log into the website, there will be you know thousands of videos organized by skill area. Ball mastery, juggling, dribbling, uh, 1v1, essential turns, and that kind of stuff. And then those videos are arranged or organized um, in the level of difficulty. So if you're a coach or trainer out there listening and you're curious about Anytime Soccer Training, um, we just launched. So what we want to do is I'm going to ask you to email me, Neil, which is N-E-I-L at anytime-soccer.com. Um, send me a quick email and we'll get you an account for free so that you can see how the product works. And then hopefully we'll, uh, we can, we can talk and we can set it up where your clients or your families get access to the product for free for an extended period of time. And why would we do such a thing? Because we believe in the product. I use the product for my boys and we know that if they use it, they're going to be impressed and they're going to stick with it. And they're going to get better. And then they'll spread the word to others. So, again, check out anytime-soccer.com to learn more about what we do. Join the mailing list and we'll send you some free videos as well as content like this. Now let's go on to the show. So, for the folks who are familiar with how this uh, podcast work works, this is one of those shows where I'm going to share my opinion. It's just an opinion. And then I'm going to share a tip for the parent trainer. And today, I'm going to get on my um, pulpit and share my opinion about um, parent, I don't even know if this is an industry, but sort of the parent education industry in regards to youth sports. If you're a parent trainer like me, then that means your children are really into youth sports and you're into it. And if you listen to this, they're probably into youth soccer. And as a result, there's a you're probably consuming a lot of information out there that I will just say kind of falls into this parent education space. 
and I've said this in previous podcasts, and I and I still believe this that most of that information is produced from a good place. It's produced in order to help parents navigate youth sports and create a relationship um, that's positive with their child and not negative. Because as you know, you don't have to look very far to see parents get this completely wrong. And so a lot of this information is geared to share tips and ideas with us to a lot of times pump the brakes but put this stuff in perspective. However, as a parent trainer and someone who is discerning not only in youth sports but the rest of my life, way before any time soccer training, way before I thought about that, I began to sense that a lot of this information um, had some some flaws, some some flaws that made it not completely useful for me. And then as I started building this community and talking to other parent trainers, I think we all can agree that, yes, the information is helpful in, in some respects, and we all need to hear it, but there's some fatal flaws that I am trying to, with this podcast, trying to address. And so the way I want to do that today is I want to talk about some of the issues I have with general information. And I'm, I'm, and I'm specifically talking to my parent trainers who have really young children. And then I want to talk about some of my um, beliefs so that you can contextualize, uh, contextualize the information I want to provide to you and the tips I want to provide to you. And then I want to close with a quick um, tip. All right. So, again, there's this overarching industry out there of, of people Coaches, um, writers, counselors, experts who provide us parents with a lot of guidance and a lot of information. And again, a lot of that information comes from a good place, but it has some issues that I want to call out. So one of them, and I've talked about it in a previous podcast, but I'm going to repeat it is, the, the guidance that they provide is not detailed enough. And I think some of that is a business model type situation where you have to appeal to a lot of people. And some of that is, I just don't even think they identify or they are, they, they understand the parent trainer, the person like us. So it's just not detailed enough for people like us. And that's why, you know, part of the mission of anytime soccer training is to provide actionable um, information to help parents, right? So, so an example could be, um, you know, they may say, you know, as parents, we have to make sure that the game is fun for our children. And what happens with this kind of stuff is because it's so general and it's so obviously true, um, you know, we're left to our own interpretations of what they're trying to say. And, and we don't have any real actionable um, takeaways from such general um, information. And then if you go into um, any type of social media space and you try to, which brings me to the next point, add any nuance to that type of advice, you are either ostracized or condemned because you know, who could possibly disagree 
with um, not making the game fun for their kids, right? And so one of the things we want to do in this show is add nuance to these broad statements so at least you understand where I'm coming from, right? So it's just not detailed enough for us to make any any type of um, actionable or get any type of actionable takeaways. And then there's no nuance that that is added to help us get past sort of the general sort of utopian type advice, like praise the effort and not the outcome. Yeah, that's true. But there's no nuance there. And hopefully many of you guys listening to this know that. Another thing that is a big issue I'm finding with this information is they don't seem to establish what their fundamental beliefs are. Fundamental assumptions they have that build the foundation for the recommendations that they um, suggest. So they don't have, they don't really articulate their fundamental beliefs and their fundamental core values. And because you don't really, because they don't do a good job of articulating these beliefs in a very detailed way, it's difficult to interpret the information that they are providing, right? Or, or, and I'll say this a lot, or it's difficult to reconcile the information they're providing with the actual facts on the ground or the assumptions that you and I may have. And these fundamental assumptions can be research-based, right? They can be like, as a matter of fact, or they can also be very knowledgeable opinions. So let me give you an example of a knowledgeable opinion that I believe I have. It's not right or wrong, it's just an opinion. I believe that children who are technical, above average technically in soccer at young ages, tend to enjoy the game more. They tend to enjoy practice more. They tend to enjoy team activities more than those children who are not. And I believe that in part because they will have the they tend to have the ball more and kids who have the ball more end up enjoying it more. And then they also have more confidence and I feel like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now I'm not familiar with any research that supports that. Maybe there is. You can you can share it in the Facebook group, the Anytime Soccer Facebook group if there is. But but that's just what I've seen and that's my opinion. And so once I establish that opinion with you guys, then the information or the tips I provide to you, a lot of that is based on this opinion. If I want your kid to have more fun during the games and practice, I need you guys to organize an intervention in order to get them technical early on because of this belief I have. But if you don't establish what that type of what that belief is, then it's hard for me to to really reconcile what you're saying. And what does that mean? And I'm I'm kind of talking theoretical, but I hope you can you're able to follow me. A lot of this parent information will say something like They'll give a piece of advice that's counterintuitive to me and I can't, it's hard for me to even understand it or challenge it because I don't know what they believe. And I think the best way to illustrate that is to go on to the next part of what I want to say, 
which is explaining to you what my beliefs are and some of my basic assumptions are and, and uh, some of my core values and some of my core logic so that you can understand the advice that I give you now and the advice that I share with you during the rest of these podcasts. Because if you don't believe this stuff, if you don't agree, that's going to help you contextualize my um, recommendations. And you may say, you know what, this guy, I, not only do I not agree, I don't agree so much so that I can't use any of the information he he provides. And so that's what I want to do with you guys today. I want to share some of my beliefs. I want to hear on the Facebook group some of your beliefs and where I may be missing things. And then again, I want to invite um coaches, experts, other parents, trainers, or anyone who wants to contribute to the conversation, I want to put this stuff out there for public consumption so that we can then reach a better understanding. And then ultimately, what I would love to happen, which I don't see happening anytime soon, but what I would love to happen is almost build a another alter alternate community of parent trainers out there or people who are discerning that bonds on an intellectual level um, based on some of the stuff that I'm throwing out there and based on some of the things that they also um, contribute to the community. Because I think we actually need that, especially for our parents of really young children. So... Let me go over a couple of my beliefs and they're in no particular order, but a few things that you need to understand about what's going on in my head in order to really appreciate or dismiss my opinions and recommendations. Number one, I believe that you can teach a child or you can begin to teach a child almost anything at very, very young ages. Yes, there's a point where their brain is just not developed enough to to go there, you know, we infant stage. But you start getting into four, five, six, and definitely seven years old, you can teach a child a lot at the beginning. You can begin to teach a child a lot. And the only catch to that is the way you deliver the instruction needs to be developmentally appropriate. Right. So let me give you an example. Uh, when my sons were about five, I think they were five. They definitely hadn't started school and they definitely weren't um, seven because my oldest, my younger son is seven now. So I think they were about five. I use this book called and I'm going to post this in the Facebook group because I love this book. It's entitled Teach Your Child to Read in 100 Easy Lessons. And the, and the reason I like this book so much, and it's about a couple hundred pages long, so that just gives you some perspective. If it's a hundred lessons and a couple hundred pages long, each the reason I like this book so much is because the lessons weren't very long, and it was actually one of these old schools, one of one of these old school type books where they, um, you went line by line first teaching the child the phonetics then basic words and then basic sentences and then they eventually put it into a pas uh, a passage so it went step by step and we would do effectively one page a day and that's kind of how the book was set up it took 
anywhere from five to 15 minutes. As a matter of fact, that was part of the inspiration behind how I set the curriculum up for anytime soccer training. It was very, very short lessons that built on each other and started with the very, very basics. And we did that, I think it was around five. And so my sons were around five when I started with that. I did it with both of them. And I'm only pointing that out to say, number one, to make a recommendation of a book if you have children that young. But number two is to say, man, you can you can teach children pretty much anything. You can start to teach them pretty much anything at very young ages. And so you need to understand that about what I believe. Another thing I believe is that in general, people want to learn. Right. This is human nature in general. People want to learn. They want you to share new ideas with them. People are in general inquisitive. People in general appreciate someone who is knowledgeable about a subject sharing that information with them. And people want to learn at all ages. So there's no magical age where people all of a sudden want to learn. So you don't have to wait until your child is 14 to say, okay, now it's time to teach them. I mean, they people are born, born with the desire to want to learn. But again, the way you teach that information to them um, needs to be developmentally appropriate. And we'll talk about that in a second. All right. Another assumption I have is the earlier you start something, the better. So normally, the earlier you start, the better. So if you said to me, hey, um, I want to learn a language, and I'm thinking about starting now or next month, my advice is start now. You should, If you start now, that's better than next month. If there's some reason you can't start now, start later, Just but just get it started. So if a parent comes to me and says, well, uh, my child is six and I want them to, you know, learn the game of soccer and I want them to acquire certain skills, you know, and I really want them to be good at this thing. To me, you start right then and there is and you can do that. It's just about making it developmentally appropriate. But here's what I'm not going to do and what I hear so much in these spaces and I hear this from professionals as well as just the normal parent that's out there just giving us solicited advice. Oh, they're too young. Just focus on fun. No, they're too young. I'm like, no, if you want to learn something and you want to teach your child something, I mean, you can start teaching them the beginning, the basics of anything when they're really young. And the earlier they start, um, the better. So that's just an assumption I have. Another assumption I have is the more someone does something, the better they will become. So in other words, time is a very important asset that you have and that you should leverage. Now, again, all of this stuff has to be developmentally appropriate. It has to be um, proportional to you know the child's interest and that kind of stuff. But this is another general principle that time is extremely important. And as a matter of fact, time is more important than the format. So, you know, I don't care if it's futsal or 3v3 or 1v1. The, the time is the one of the biggest assets you have. So the longer you spend doing something, 
more than likely the better you will be. Now, that falls apart somewhat in certain situations, but in general, that is an assumption that I'm making. Another assumption I'm making when it comes to development and learning, I don't make a separation between the different areas or the different vocations or the different things for lack of a better word or the different categories and so what that means is I don't say well there are a set of principles for learning in school that only apply to learning in school or there are certain principles that apply to learning in um, sports or basketball that don't apply to soccer or there are certain principles that apply in athletics that don't apply to music and stuff there are some general principles that I believe, and we've talked about a lot of them, that are transferable throughout the any category of learning and development that you choose. These are universal truths that are actually pretty timeless, especially in the in the broader area of self improvement. And you might say, "Well, man, why am I bringing that up?" Because I can't count the number of times. Um, You'll ask a parent, hey, do you think it's a good idea? Uh, say a seven-year-old, uh, sorry, a parent of a six-year-old will say, hey, I think I want to work with my kid and help them get better or something. And parents will say, no, as a parent, or other coaches will say, no, you should not work with your kid and you're going to run. And then the logical question will be, well, I work with them after school and homework. Do, does that not, do you not, do you apply that same logic to the other things they work on? And then, People will effectively say, and oftentimes, oh, it's different. You can't, you can't apply the same rules to soccer as you do to school. And you can hold me accountable to this, but I believe you, you can. And so, for example, I did a, a blog, I did a um, podcast a couple of weeks ago where I said, listen, with my boys, we do a fifteen-minute um, ball mastery or juggling session before practice and before games and the reason we do that is we, we do that for a number of reasons number one they're already geared up to go to the practice or the game so this is a low maintenance type of workout so it doesn't make them extremely tired but they get more touches in that little bit of time with me than in many cases the entire team gets combined and the cumulative impact of doing that adds up to about 40 extra hours a year of touches on the ball and thousands and thousands and thousands of more touches. And in addition to that, um, I'm teaching them a very, um, hopefully I'm teaching them a very important life lesson, which is, yes, you have to work hard, but you also have to work smarter. So these extra 15 minutes, they, they go by seamlessly and it's not a big deal, but in the, um, but in the long run, the cumulative impact is insurmountable in terms of your technical ability compared to the other kids. Now, I, I apply that same principle to school, and I've talked about this as well. Um, we have a morning routine where we effectively try to get up at least 15 minutes earlier than normal, or we, um, my wife hates this, but we rush everything quickly so that we have 15 to 30 minutes to, to read or do some other schoolwork. And um, that also has been a game changer in my children's reading comprehension and 
and just academics in general because again it's another 40 hours of additional stuff that they're doing that's relatively seamless but to me it's the same it's the same principle right now culturally you have to go to school but you don't necessarily have to play um, sports so you have to be mindful of that that you're asking the child to do something that's a little different than what their friends are doing so but that's why I'm saying it's about 15 minutes. And we happen to use any time soccer training video, but you can do use whatever you want. But the, we try to keep it short, and I just um, try to keep it as a set routine. So my point is, I don't, I can't envision a situation where I would share a tip with you guys that was exclusive to soccer. I, I just can't even think of anything that all of these tips are just a twist to timeless um, recommendations in the area of self-improvement. And again, why am I laying all this stuff out? Because I'm involved in conversations with folks and I am, um, and I consume information with folks where this is just not what people are saying. They're, they're actually saying the opposite. And then not only are they not saying this stuff, but they're passing moral judgments on parents, even just by asking the question. So, again, I don't want to be negative, and the purpose of Anytime Soccer Training Group and all that kind of stuff is to share some positivity uh, in a safe space. But I do want to come to the to the defense of our parents of younger children to say, listen. There's nothing wrong with asking a question. There's nothing wrong with getting prepared. There's nothing wrong with thinking through these issues. There's nothing wrong with, you know, just like you want to teach a child how to read so that they can go to school and be better prepared. You can do that in sport as well. And you just got to meet the child where they're at. And you always got to keep it developmentally um, appropriate. And so another thing I believe, and I've said this many times, and it's the cornerstone of one of my beliefs in terms of getting better at something, is in order to achieve any degree of mastery in something, there needs to be an element of deliberate practice. And deliberate practice is literally the repetitions of doing basic stuff over and over again. And I'll even go a step further to say that when it comes to these basic, this basic stuff, you actually have to practice even the components of a move before you get to the move. And that's kind of how, with the reading we were doing, we were practicing the, practicing the, um, the phonics before we got to the words, and then the words before we got to the comprehension, or the sentences, and then the sentences before we got to the comprehension. So that's kind of how I feel with uh, about deliberate practice, and that needs to be part of the mix. And I also believe that no child is going to do deliberate practice at least I don't see them, at a level that's consistent enough to reach their full potential in anything they do without the parent um, stepping in to support them. So that's a belief that I have. But again, it needs to be developmentally appropriate, and we will, and we will talk about that. But what I don't believe is that the child needs to show you some level of passion or love in order to for you as the parent to step in and start to teach them things. So let me give you an example. My oldest son, um, he doesn't love he he doesn't hate swimming, but he doesn't love swimming, right? 
and uh, but we sign them up for swimming lessons because my wife and I feel like many people that this is a life skill that they need to have. And we didn't sit around waiting, or at least I didn't sit around waiting to see if he was passionate about swimming before we signed him up for lessons. No, we signed him up for lessons and they taught him how to swim. And and then we were pretty intentional about taking him um, to the swimming pool because we needed him to learn how to get in and out of a pool safely and be able to swim enough to be in a pool in a safe environment, right? But when it comes to sports or anything else, when you're in these in these groups, people effectively say, no, you need to, before you start trying to teach your child anything, you need to wait and see if they're passionate about um, the sport. Now, first of all, I don't even know how they're defining that, right? I think what they're saying, or at least I'm going to talk about passion and, and love for a sport in a different podcast. But if I'm reading between the lines and trying my best to understand their perspective, what I think they're saying is my child, at least this is the case for me, my child is showing um, a positive response to external factors as it relates to this sport. So they, they really enjoy the games. They really enjoy the team environment. They really enjoy the competitiveness of it. They enjoy being on the ball when they're not in practice. They enjoy all these things. And because I'm seeing these cues, now I can step it up and give them more. I think that's what they're saying in terms of passion. But I don't like using passion and love for the game in this context because it gives the impression that there's some mentality that a child must have in order for you to then teach them the basics. I do think you, again, need to calibrate what you do with your child based on their level of interest. But I think you can teach any, you don't have to wait until someone's passionate about something to, to teach them, right? Especially if it's developmentally appropriate. And so I just find that whole that whole discourse a bit funny. And, and an analogy I would give, and I often tell my friends this, when I hear parents um talk about how passionate their kids are and I don't mean this in a bad way about the kids or anything there's no judgment there but when I hear that my question and sometimes I'll entertain them and ask the question well do you train them individually do they work with you in deliberate practice I don't use deliberate practice but I basically say do they work with you individually And, and normally the answer is no they don't and so when I hear that it's to me it's sort of like saying my child loves school only to find out that they're just taking recess and lunch. I mean, you know, do they love school or do they like playing with their friends in the competitive nature of it? And they would probably love anything that you put them into. And I think that's normally the case. And I don't think as parents of younger children, we should try to wait for some magical moment when our kids show us that they love it to teach them the basics. As a matter of fact, I think by teaching them the basics, they will begin to build even a better appreciation for the sport. So that's my soapbox on that. And those are the assumptions that I'm going to share with you guys today. There there are many more, but I don't want to drag on. But I really want to emphasize the fact that when we are consuming this information, right, it, it would be really helpful 
for the presenters of this information to lay out some of their basic assumptions, some of their basic goals, and some of their basic beliefs. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, definitely not in an uh, explicit way, but I can promise you guys that I will always try to do that and build that intellectual bond with you, and then we can have a detailed and more serious and more discerning and more nuanced conversation as we build this relationship and as this podcast grows. And so with all of that being said, now let's get into my tip. And I guess there's one more point I want to make that when we start talking about fun and we've defined fun in previous episodes of, you know, enjoyment, um, pleasure and that kind of stuff, the stuff you normally think about with fun. Well, one of the reasons we're doing sport and one of the reasons we sign our kids up for sport is because that's a way for them to learn some important life lessons in a fun environment. And we use play, P-L-A-Y, we use play as a way for them to have fun, but also as a technique to teach other stuff. And sport is uniquely suited to do that. And play is uniquely suited to do that. And play is an important part of the development process. And so that then brings me to my point. I'm a big believer when the children, when when my boys were really young, and even my seven-year-old um, now, but definitely when they were really young, I'm a big believer in what I call micro lessons. And a micro lesson for me is very short, um, concise lessons. And in the context of soccer, where we just work on one skill, because that's one of the biggest problems I see with parents who work with their kids is they try to do too much too soon when you have your their child's entire soccer life to get this stuff down. So when my boys were really young, the way we would organize a session would be like this. I would take them to the field and we would free play for about 10, 20, 20, or even 30 minutes until dad got tired. Then we would do a quick micro lesson in between. It could be toe taps. And the way I used to do it before any time soccer training was, again, I set up the intervals and they would just do that one um, exercise between two in five minutes, 30 seconds on, 10 seconds off, or 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off. And you can even do it for 10 seconds on and 10 seconds off. It doesn't have to be that long. And they would work on that one skill. And then when they finished that, then we would shoot around or play again. And that was it. And then the next week, um, we would do, we would add another skill. So let's say that the session, or they worked on that one skill for five minutes. Well, the next week, it would still be the five minutes, but it would be two skills. So effectively two minutes and 50 seconds per skill. Then, or two minutes and a half for per skill. And then um, the next week, we would add another skill. So then it would be three minutes, uh, not three minutes, sorry. It would be three skills within that same five minutes. 
and it would add cumulative. And I, I wrote a blog post about this that I need to rehash and reshare. But I basically called it the skill of the week. And that's really what we did. And then once we got to three, I may add a little bit of time. But once we got to three skill, then I would go back and start again with another skill. And here's the thing. Forget about the week. If you worked with one skill per month with your child, by the end of the year, your, your child would have would be proficient in between 10 and 12 different skills. And I'm here to tell you, if you have a youth soccer player, forget about you, if you have a professional player who's really proficient in 10 to 12 offensive um, skills, then you're going to see a child that's really competent, that enjoys the game, that's really technical. And so I'm saying all that to say that if you have, if you have a really young child and you're really trying to introduce them to the, into the game, just spend two, three minutes with them working on one skill and surround that by a lot of play. And then even within that play, you can encourage them to use the skill that you guys have been working on that whole week. And so my other point to all of this is if you're a parent out there with a young child, stay motivated, stay balanced, stay reflective, definitely stay developmentally appropriate. But you got to weed through and try to ignore, and I hate to say ignore, but I don't want to be negative, but you got to almost ignore a lot of this nonsense out there that is telling you something that just doesn't make any sense, right? You can, you know, if, if you, if you're sending a child to school for five, six, seven hours and they're learning math, science, English, and all this kind of stuff, then they are also developmentally ready to learn how to kick the ball with the inside of their foot as well, right? So just try to stay the course, stay stay positive and stay motivated and, and stay reflective. But yes, you can kind of work with your child. So that's my tip for today, skill of the week. And again, um, I happen to use anytime soccer training video to, to deliver my skills of the week because they're 30 seconds on, um, 10 seconds off. We just do one skill and you can find them on our YouTube channel. And I, I'll share them to the group as well. I'll share one every week to the group. But you don't have to do that. But what I do um, encourage you to do, especially if your child is just starting out, is take baby steps and just work on one skill per week at the most until they get comfortable um, um, learning the basics of soccer. So, again, this is Neil Crawford with Anytime Soccer Training. Thanks again for listening. Let's get better together.